Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, managing editor of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts share their success secrets, trends, and lessons learned navigating this ever-changing industry. For more insightful interviews with real estate executives, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Today, I'm talking to Steve Murray for part two of our 2021 team study um, discussion. And we're going to go into the insights of real estate team valuations. We're seeing a lot more brokerages who are rolling in teams and a lot more teams that are are looking at their value when they are ready to sell. So Steve Murray handles those sales and those valuations. And he's noticed some really interesting trends that tie into some of the things that we've discovered in the team study. So I think you'll be very interested to hear this and and use it as a barometer when you're determining what you want to do with teams in your brokerage. This is Tracy Velt, Editorial Director for Real Trends. Today you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Steve Murray. Steve is a senior advisor for Real Trends and Housing Wire, and he's also a partner with RTC Consulting. They do business valuations and consulting work for real estate teams and for real estate brokerages. They also handle uh, mergers and acquisitions for those both teams and brokerage leaders. So this is part two of our series on the 2021 team study. And today we're talking about the valuation of teams and some of the trends that Steve is seeing in his business. So Steve, last time uh, in our part one of the Real Trending podcast, we talked about the Real Trends team profitability study and some of the trends that you were seeing in the data. So for this one, I want to talk about team valuations. I know that they've steadily increased over the past um, 10 years. And I wanted to get an idea of what some of the trends you're seeing with those valuations based on the fact that you're doing a lot of them. So if you could share some of that and and share some insights into how teams are building that equity to sell specifically. More and more, we understand the teams, um, they have two parts to a team. That part, which is sphere of influence, relationship-based, and the second part, which is a business system, uh, you know, a lead generation system and how we take care of them, how we curate them is the nice new term as opposed to what was the old term. Curate sounds much nicer. Yeah, scrub. Remember yeah. 20 years ago, scrub yeah. leads, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So you got sphere of influence or you got business system. Sphere of influence it is very difficult to establish the conversion rate, if I buy a team's business and it's mostly sphere of influence, I am then depending on the goodwill and capabilities of the seller and my own to convert those people to my, become my clients and customers. And the information we have so far 
that's a pretty low capture rate. Okay. All right. It doesn't mean it's not there. It's just not, you know, everybody says, oh, I got 400 past clients, customers in my database. and I've been in touch with them every month for the last, you know, five, six, eight years. What percentage of those people are going to say, yeah, we, we bought and sold through Tracy Belt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, and, and Tracy says Steve is a good guy. But, you know, we don't know Steve. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's not a big capture. Okay. Right. So you've got you've to evaluate that. And Scott Wright and I, my partner in our, in our consulting practice, we work hard to quantify that so people can see clearly, but it's a fairly low capture rate. We'll put it that way. And that's from prior experience of clients, customers as to how many they can capture. Okay. So then you've got a business system. And the question about a business system um, is, is it, can I, if I am buying into that business or I'm starting my own, the question becomes, What's my cost to replicate it? Mm-hmm. And what's the time and the money that would take me to replicate what you've built versus what you're wanting me to pay you for it? Time and money, right? So that business is generally more valuable than sphere of influence segment, the business system. And it depends on what that system it is. And then you've got the strategic value. Right. So we had a case where we have a team in uh, one part of a major metropolitan area. And over here, about 30 miles away, it was a much higher price. Kind of people want to get away from the city. uh, They'll buy out there. Very high end. And there was a team in that very high end area that had been doing phenomenally well with the beautiful, high end, glossy, kind of a neighborhood uh, magazine six times a year. Been doing it for 10 years with their pictures on the cover and information about the housing market along with other things, community activities and so on and so forth. And they actually printed this thing and direct mailed it to, you know, 400 plus households. Well, let's say that, that Metro team that wanted to expand into this market, they figured out, that it would be far better for them to invest the money to buy in, buy this team, put a fair amount of money down, pay the rest over two, three years, depending on capture, as they rebranded that magazine and their direct mail work from the Bob and Mary Lou team to the Carol and Frank team. Right. And it worked out well for both parties. Worked out just fine. I mean, we know an individual top agent. We worked on it. Uh, hugely uh, um, well-known in a high-end part of a major metropolitan, a close-in high-end neighborhood, generating well over a million dollars a year in gross commissions. And it was an individual. We sold it to two agents who paid a little bit of cash down. And then they did this transfer over two years of the duties and the revenues and the cost of the parties and it worked out. It worked out well for both parties. I mean, my client, the seller, is going to have a long tail return of probably close to a million dollars yeah. over six to eight years, which is better than just walking away from your 
<laughs> clients and customers. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so that's a long answer, I know, but okay. that's that's what we're seeing. We're yeah. seeing those two different parts, and, and then you've got that strategic issue of is this is this team in a market I want to be in? Right. I yeah. mean, one of the things we did a team one time and they kept telling us was all online. It was all like 90% online. Yeah. He said, well, what online? I mean, what are you doing? Oh, it's my Zillow profile page. <laughs> and we checked with Zillow officials. It's not a transferable asset. Yeah. You can't take, you know, Steve's picture off that profile page and put Tracy on that picture and they get to keep all those ratings. Right. No, they don't allow that. So really there was not much value. Do you find um, more people, more teams, and even individual agents coming to you that don't have the value they expect or that do? Or ha- are they building more? Most of the ones we we've we do two or three valuations a month for teams or individuals, maybe a few more some months. They're frankly, they're always disappointed. Okay. Yeah. More more often than not, they're disappointed. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. And it's now, one service that I, I feel like brokers, um, you know, they you mentioned this is is business planning and and those types of services from a broker for teams. And that goes into an agent succession plan as well. So if you've got the business planning on the front end to help them build their team in a way that makes it worth more when they're ready to sell, and then you help them through the transition and figure and match them with the, the right person or you know, fold it into another team, however you work it. Um, I think that's pretty valuable for a broker to be to be doing. Yeah, the thing that we've run into, and this has more to do with relationships and psychology. If I'm I'm a broker, I own a brokerage firm, and I have a big team, and they we want to work on something to transition their book of business, if you will, their practice, to another team within our brokerage company. Okay, now I'm the broker oh, the first thing I'm going to do is be the one to tell them their team is not worth as much as they thought it was. Right. Yeah. Ouch. Right. Yeah. We've, we've dealt with this. Yeah. Probably a dozen times, which yeah. is why they sometimes call us in to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> right. Because So the first thing, if a broker sets up a whole program for this, you as a broker need to kind of get yourself out of there mm-hmm. and let someone ourselves, I'm sure there's other people, uh, consultants that could right. do a, a rational valuation on teams. We're, I'm sure we're not the only ones doing it. Um, so that's step one. I mean, I would put a program in place. I'd have an independent party do the valuation and yes. do the consulting about how deals are structured and then come back to that team and broker and say, this is what we recommend. Yeah, I think the value is even is is the business planning in general that you build it to to be profitable, even if you don't end up selling it, even if it's right. not, it's ten years down the road before you're even. It's right. even something you're you're thinking of. Um, it, you know, I know Long and Foster does this, and they they have a specific coach who who works with 
you know, agents and teams building, building that value, regardless of whether they're going to sell later on. You know, you know, here's, here's an interesting thing is, as we talk about a brokerage, and you've heard me say this, I'm sure our readers are sick of me saying it. You got to do three things to succeed in brokerage. You got to recruit talent, develop talent, and try to spend less money you got coming in. A great majority of the men and women I know who run brokerage companies are, in fact, really good business people. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I don't. I can't swear they're always the most organized and detailed at their business planning. That, that's a smaller subset. But I don't think they understand that business coaching, even if they're not that organized, they can get people to help them with that. Yeah. Like their controller or CFO, or maybe it's their outside CPA firm. Yeah. Somebody to help agents, not just teams, but agents think about the planning for their business. Yeah. And say, let's look at this. Here is, I mean, imagine this data we're going to publish, I guess, next week on this team study. I mean, this should be invaluable to people in understanding the economics of teams, not just teams, but broker owners to understand the economics, for instance, of lead generation. Right. All right. Hey, look at the margins here. Um, You know, but we as an industry, outside of a couple dozen really top firms, don't actually do a whole lot of detailed strategic and business planning. Yeah. We don't. But I believe the talent, I mean, the men and women I know running brokerages of all kinds, all brands, all models, most of them are really pretty good business people. Yeah. Or else they wouldn't have made it. Right. Exactly. It it wasn't luck. Yeah. So I think that, you know, and then, and then, you know, you, 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 now we're in the middle of trying to re-engineer brokerages to incorporate i-buying and bridge loans. And, and then we get this brand new service that most people haven't heard of called Sell Whenever. And we'll let, I'll leave that dangling out there about how do you monetize an agent's book of business? Yeah. And it is actually the first tool I've seen where you can monetize a book of business. Yeah. It actually put an asset on your balance sheet. I mean, it's fascinating, right? Yeah. And yeah. isn't that, in fact, what you and I, for what, you for 25 years almost now? Yeah. Yeah. More, I mean, more than that, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's, what's wonderful and fascinating about the industry is there's always some really interesting new things happening and new tools and new brokerages and new models. And some will make it and some won't. And it's hard to know ahead of time. I mean, this past week, who would have predicted two weeks ago that Zillow would say, we're out of iBuying? Now, people like you and me, I I, I always, you know, I understood that there was a means to an end there. But whoever thought you could actually make like good margins, like software kind of margins, yeah. Right. Because all these companies that are in iBuying, they all talk about, you know, blank, blank technologies or blank, blank platform and algorithms. And no, you're flipping homes is what you're doing. <laughs> and the margins are not that big unless you can turn it. What did the guy say on stage years ago? 
He said, we, we have to turn our dollar three to four times a year. Right. Then we can make a 5% margin. Right. And you remember me looking at him going, yeah. I think there's a whole lot easier ways to make money <laughs> to make five cents on the dollar than hoping you could buy and flip homes three or four times a year. Yeah. But for some reason, there's a whole lot of tens of billions of dollars that thought it was a good business. I'm not sure what, what they... Th- now, Zillow, it was a lead generation tool. Mm-hmm. And, and we knew that. And some of the others say, well, we're going to integrate mortgage and title to improve our yields. Okay, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the actual core business of iBind, but, you know, there it is. Yeah, consumers, but consumers, they're looking at consumer demand. Consumers want it. Maybe building an entire company doing this is different than offering those services through your, you know, franchise or through your brokerage um, as a, as a value add rather than your sole business. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so you and I could, we could discuss a whole number of things, but we started with teams today. Here's <laughs> yes. Here's the thing, right? Teams are here to stay. Mm-hmm. They're getting more numerous and more sophisticated, and they're scaling, and they're highly profitable, and there are going to be some that are going to achieve huge success. And as we said earlier, Redfin essentially is a team writ large, and if 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 Redfin, I really do believe that all the attributes of a team are there. They're yeah. just bigger. Yeah. Right. Well, well, they've proven you can scale it. Absolutely. If you take some of the top teams you and I know about, whether it's, you know, uh, Mark Spain's team or Ben Kinney's team or Ben Caballero's team or uh, not to I say Robert Slack, right? The, the big the big teams. Can, can they triple their size? Certainly. Yeah. Can they get capital to do it? Absolutely. So we think we think that's going to happen. Yeah. It's a big well, market. Steve, this has been a long one. So uh, thank you so much for, for your time and uh, for being on Real Trending and sharing all of your insights into the team study. I look forward to having everyone um, take a close look at it. So. Thanks, Tracy. It's always good to be with you. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. To stay up to date on the current trends in the industry, subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.